Hey everybody, welcome back to Free Validation, the West Coast Style podcast about West Coast Style. I'm Dave Schilling. And I'm Alana Hope Levinson. What a day today. This episode ended up being so cool. Nicole Reber is our guest. She is a real estate agent. She was a poet and she's one of the, the most fabulous dressers I've ever seen in my life. She's an artist. I mean, honestly, we cover so much territory in this episode. And I think she's the most truly grounded California person we've had on. I know. I love it. I mean, so of this place. Yes. Really. There's no other way to describe her other than purely California. And that was why I think this was this was such a pleasure to, to talk to her, because it felt like talking to the spirit mother of the Golden State in a lot of ways. That's such a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, I love it. It was like being wrapped in a rainbow. Like, I feel very inspired. Yes. So we're not going to waste any more of your time. Up next, Nicole Reber talking about L.A., real estate, and fashion. Let's start back at the beginning. So Nicole Reber... Vogue called her the most colorful real estate agent, but I'm actually going to take it a step further and say the coolest one that exists ever. So she's a real estate agent at Douglas Elm in Beverly Hills, home of Million Dollar Listing, a passion of mine, but we won't get too far into that because she's not on it. She's too cool to be on it. She's a real estate agent who has the most amazing fashion sense and I think what I love so much about her is just her commitment to being herself no matter what. Real estate agent, I don't think wacky fashion. That's especially not in Beverly Hills. You know, I think basic Herve Leger. Is that how you even say it? Those horrifying dresses. Come on, you think I know how to say that? You know what I'm talking about. Sure. Anyway, um, Nicole, thank you so much for being here. We're really excited to chat. Oh, thank you. What a cool <laughs> intro. And and I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I, I hope I did you justice. Oh, more than. Let's just start with fashion because, you know, it is a fashion pod. We'll get to the home second. So in this this Vogue profile of you, now when did that come out? A couple years ago, a year ago? That was like, I think in like March, February, March, something like that. Recent. Well, in, in that you say that you have not bought black in two years. I have not. <laughs> I love that as a as a color enthusiast myself. I wondered if maybe you could talk a little bit about your love of color. And maybe we didn't say this in the intro, but you are a native of California. I wonder how that plays into it. You know, I think you know how there's like 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 someone's like I don't know what to wear. I'm only going to wear dark colors. I'm only going to wear black. It's my uniform. Like there's that whole concept of thinking. I felt like when I made that call, it was like one of like, it was like risque to say that, you know, you're like, Ooh, like, is that a controversial opinion? Um, you know, I will wear it on really rare, rare occasions, but like, I was just on vacation. One of the nights I, I did wear a black dress and I felt so weird about it. Like I was I was out of body. I was an experiment for me at this point. I love that. How most people feel when they wear a bright color, you feel when you wear black. Yeah. You know what I've learned about color is it has like the ability to start conversations. And I 
think I missed the interactions that came with being in a dark color. I was like, man, I'm missing those moments where people come up to me and they're like, I love what you're wearing or love your rainbow hair or whatever. I was just like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I'm normalizing. (laughs) So I, yeah, that was funny for me. I think most people don't want to be noticed that they're, they're um, put off by the idea that people are looking at you. Yeah. But I imagine you're the kind of person who wants to be seen when you walk into a room. And the only way to do that is through very clear expression of your, you know, your aesthetic. Yeah. You know, I do like being seen, but more than that, like I just like, and it opens me up to new people. It really does. Like when you have a fly look and somebody wants to know, like somebody wants to know who you are. So if I'm coming in there and I'm coming in hot, I'm kind of in the driver's seat. If I'm, if I'm like, somebody wants to talk to me because I'm coming in self-expressing. Yeah. There's, there's a weird tentativeness to social situations in Los Angeles. People are not as not aggressive, but like not as forward with, I want to meet that person. They seem cool. Yeah. Like it doesn't happen here. It's like, if you're cool, you don't court attention, but I don't think that that actually helps you with social connections in any way. It's it's worse. And that's why I dress up for the exact same reason. Because when I go into a room, I have that immediate connection with somebody if they like how I'm dressed. If I'm just wearing jeans and a t-shirt, that conversation never happens. Never. I've had crazy things happen, like from wearing a good outfit. What's one? What's one? Oh my god! Best one. Even that. I mean, even that article was funny. It was like that came about, you know, just on the writer was um, loved Louis Vuitton Epi leather purses, and I've only bought those purses for like nine years. It was the first like nice purse I ever had. My mom had one. She gave it to me because I was backpacking Europe (laughs) and I was like, I want a nice purse. And she's like, I'm going to give you this black Louis Epi bag. It was like a nice bag, but you don't know what it is. Like, you know, wasn't going to like draw attention, you know, backpacking. I was just like, I want like every picture I'm going to be holding the dang purse for like four months at Stonehenge at every like thing. So I was like, I want to have like a cool purse. That's hilarious. Yeah, that was like how that happened. She was writing about epi purses and I like screen like sent her like a Sunday morning, like in my jammies picture. I was like justice for epi leather. Like I was fucking with her as a writer. And then we started talking, and then that was how that article came about. So it's just like putting yourself out there and like I the I think people people are putting out their interests more than ever, and you can kind of get to know people through social media. And why not use that to build connections rather than like be a lurker, like be, be in the conversation. Yeah, I think, but on the other side, I would say, I mean, something about your style that, that just makes it so much cooler to me, even just what you wear is the environments you're wearing it in, right? Like what you're wearing in New York or even in like at an art party, it is, it's still unique, but what is crazy to me is that you're going (laughs) to like open houses for multi-million dollar homes where everyone is in like khakis. Like, again, I can't stress enough. Like the fact that you don't feel, well, maybe you feel self-conscious. I'm assuming you don't, 
but you look so different from everyone. And that's like, takes a sense, that's bravery, you know? I mean, I'm sure there have been people that are like, it's going to hurt your career to look like this, right? Because you can't, you, you don't look like everyone else. So I think part of it comes from, my mom's from Poland. So she was raised like, you know, she went to like, before she was a realtor, she, you know, political refugee came to America when she was like 26. Like my mom's, my mom, her whole life has worn royal blue mascara. Like I've never seen my mom in black mascara every day for 30 years in royal blue mascara. Like that's her, she has a signature look, you know, she's like a total Armani babe. And all the other moms, like I'm from Ventura County in Camarillo. Like in Camarillo, the, the mom vibe is like PacSun, you know? And so like I had, I like, I loved my mom. So you don't see it, somebody doing their thing as weird. I think just coming from a household that was uncensored like that, I just became uncensored. Um, although she's Polish. And when I was a kid, she would call me a Stefcha, which was like a Polish, like it was like a Polish tr- term for like someone that can't put an outfit together. <gasps> oh, wow. no. Yeah. Like at, she would like, we would get ready for church on Sunday and she'd be like, going to church like a step job <laughs> thing like wow it all goes back to our moms everything so do you think that's partially why you're so into you know, personal style and fashion is because your mother was dogging you out on sundays for church you know i think there's an element of that i went to catholic school i always had uniforms so like my only really time to dress up was probably like church or I remember like going to soccer practice and then the kids, you know, were from public schools and stuff like that. So they had like cool clothes and they had a personal style for me. Like, I think my life changed when I started getting into teen Vogue in high school. And it's funny. Like my, one of my mentors and friends, this lady, Lena Kutsovskaiva, she works, they have a creative agency here in LA called Be Good Studios. And, and so Lena, and I became friends and we started talking and she was like one of the editors there at a time. And I was like, how did I find you? How are you my friend now? Because you changed my life. Like they have these just amazing, like now she just did like the Louis show today. Um, they had worked like really closely with Virgil. So like that era of Teen Vogue, like 2003 to 2007 was really important and they had just the craziest editorials and I would take an editorial and try to copy the outfit from what I had in my closet so I was like well this is a magazine this looks pretty cool to me let me see what I can do at thrift stores and stuff like that so that's how I started getting dressed and then for me it was kind of like I'm a poet it was storytelling and character creation for me so that's how I see my whole like life is like super narrative like that. Yeah. I mean, this is something I talk about all the time on, on the podcast, which is the point of getting dressed and the point of style is to be more yourself than you were, you know, when you woke up that day to figure out like, what are the things that you can put together to make yourself communicate uh, an inner truth to the world. Like that's, that's, the only reason I get dressed. Also, it makes me feel good, but I think it, I feel good because I'm expressing myself and I'm creating something. It's a, it's an act of creation every day. 
I started getting interested in clothes from GQ and Vanity Fair, like getting those magazines every every week or month or whatever it is really kind of gave me a window into stuff like Alana I don't know what you read that made you care about this stuff but I'm, I'm curious like what effect magazines had on just like your perspective on the world I don't know if Dave even knows this but I wanted to be like a fashion editor when I first started I ended up kind of switching beats because I found it in New York like just kind of vapid for me in certain ways where I was like, I love writing about style, you know, but I just wasn't as into like just the straight up fashion editing. Like I wanted to do more writing and stuff like that. But one of my first internship was at paper. Cool. And I loved that. I loved paper. Uh, I also loved Teen Vogue. I think the way that you talk about it is really interesting because kids these days, you know, they use Instagram in the same way. Yeah. I mean, it was the same thing, right? It was like, it was Teen Vogue. Cobra Snake photos, the misshapes on Saturday. Oh, you're so right. Yeah, I was also, we've talked we've talked about the blogs and like seeing paparazzi photos. Like I would just be like, what is that Dooney and Burke bag that Lindsay Lohan is carrying to rehab? I'd be going into like the library, like misshapes was on Saturday and they would post the party photos like Monday or Tuesday. I'd go at lunch, log into the computer. Did they post it yet? Did they post it yet? Oh my God. I forgot about mission. Like I haven't thought about it. That like, it's funny. I've like some of those guys get their haircut with my boyfriend now. And I told them, I was like, you guys don't know. You like changed my life. Like I had the coffee table book. I looked at that. Like that's what made me want to move to New York when I was 17. Yeah. 100%. So even like early internet too, of seeing what people were wearing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just funny. It was a lot more work <laughs> to do it back then, but it wasn't that different. The only thing I would say that is different is like not having like knockoff dupe culture as intensely, right? So like, I remember just like lusting after these things I couldn't afford. And then, yeah, having to go to the thrift store and like cobble together some like indie sleaze bullshit that I wanted to look like I got it at Kitson, right? Now I feel like it's just like, there's a ton available that's just copying whatever you want for every price point. But I think like on a level two, we know what that looks like. I don't even care what it looks like, actually. I'm going to take that back. I care what it feels like. And I think that what we've lost in culture is we don't have the word poser anymore. And we don't have like that shame. And I think... I, I don't know. Like I still, every aspect of what I do still comes back to honoring that. Like, I'm not the ultimate expert and like treating people with like, Hey, I work really hard. I'll outwork most people, but, um, I'm not going to have the ego that I'm like better than somebody. I think that's what makes like fashion fun is when you can see somebody in a dope outfit, but you don't feel like they're doing it to feel better than somebody mm -hmm. or because everyone else is doing it yeah i can't stand trend hopping and i can't stand people who are aggressive dressers aggressive in the sense that like you're doing it to to show off or you're doing it to be predatory like a lot of men dress to be predatory what's an example like maybe not not calling someone out but like what do you mean predator like oh boy that's a that's a good question <laughs> <laughs> I mean that the point of getting dressed is to get laid. It is not to say anything about yourself. It's 
I'm going to to get a really sh- like sharp, finely tailored suit, or I'm going to wear like monk strap uh, shoes, or like whatever. Like I'm trying too hard. You can you can tell when someone's trying too hard, not because they have any true interest in expression. It's because this is what I'm supposed to do to have the things that I want to get laid, to make a lot of money and to make people feel small. Like it's, it's conspicuous consumption versus considered consumption. That's really interesting and kind of reminds me of TikTok and like what we see it's happening in fashion too, but it's happening across every sort of, you know, genre, right? So it's happening in book talk where people basically they're showing what type of girl they are based on what they consume, right? They're not like, I genuinely read this book and engage in this literature because it like enriches my mind. It's like, I want to be the type of person, like I show that I read my rest and relaxation so that it shows that I'm the kind of girl that consumes this, right? But we see it with everything, the kind of jewelry you wear, like the slicked back bun girly, like all these, all these different things, which I think is, I don't think that that really existed. Like, obviously you wanted something because you thought it looked cool and you maybe liked the person that wore it, but you weren't like, I want to project that I'm the type of girl that consumes and buys this kind of thing. And same with dudes, obviously. I'm just in that. Yeah, like, I feel like, you know, you would think of Seventeen Magazine, they'd have like the thing, like, are you a prep? Are you a rocker? Are you Mm -hmm. this? Those kind of quizzes. But I think that, people are deriving their self-worth from that I don't think people do as much like I don't know digging and investigating as they did maybe but you know I just I I feel like there's a lot of blueprints yeah yeah totally there's there's a lot of sub-genres of of dress like I don't I'm not in high school anymore I'll never be in high school again but I wonder like how they sort of divide themselves into cliques now because things are so diffuse and so unique and different and I remember it being so easy to just be like well I wear Abercrombie so I'm with the preps or I wear Jinkos so I'm with the with the burnouts or whatever like it's just not like like that anymore and I think that's why there's no such thing as a poser because you can't we're not putting labels on people as much mm. the labels that we put on people are about identity like really deep identity or political bullshit like oh you're this person because you voted for that person or you believe in this because you have that yard sign in your fucking house like it's just not the same i mean it was almost oppressive the obsession with authenticity and not being a poser especially in alt circles when we were growing up like i remember when i wore my studded belt like this group of teen punk girls in san francisco being like like actually having like a moral crisis over if they thought I was a poser. <laughs> I think they actually did, which is hilarious. Um, oh God, what a, what a trip memory lane. But like now, who the fuck cares? Everyone's wearing a study belt. Like that's the thing, right? Like alt culture in that way doesn't even exist anymore. Everyone is. And like, there's some cool aspects of that, right? Because it's not gate kept by like mostly white guys telling you like, you don't know this band, so fuck you. Like you... <laughs> can't name every fugazi song then you're not punk <laughs> i can't name one fugazi song am i an asshole you're all but then well you hate studded belts dave so it's chill 
I do hate studded belts. That's true. That actually, that kind of reminds me, I wanted to talk more. I mean, you mentioned character dressing, um, but especially the idea that you wear, and I don't know if you do this every day or just sometimes, and I want Dave's take, I think he's going to think it's really interesting that you dress in one designer head to toe. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me a little bit about like why you do that? You know, it came about, I worked at Burberry um, in my twenties and I was on the retail floor there was a store right behind Saks Fifth Avenue and we got to go to the sample sales. So I was scoring like nice stuff for so cheap, like fur coats for like 250 bucks. Like I was balling. So I had this whole closet of just Burberry stuff. And then when I left the job, I was like, how can I buy anything after this? Like this is going to suck. <laughs> So I had that whole collection and right about that time was when Jacquemus came out and it was kind of this cool price point, you know, it was his first collections you could get like really avant-garde look for 350, 400 bucks for everything. And they were really cool. And like, I have this one top where it's like, a bathing suit on one boob and then the other side is like a long sleeve shirt and then it looks like the skirt is supposed to look like the skirt's falling off your hip with just a little bit of like a bathing suit on one side like it almost looks like the whole outfit's falling off of you it was like conceptual it was really cool so that brand came around at the same time and I was like I kind of saw that when I would wear the full Burberry look it looked really cohesive and good and so I got into like buying that brand in the same way. So I was like, I'm just going to buy one brand. Then I don't get tempted to spend on a ton of stuff. And when I put together looks, it's going to look cohesive because it's coming from one point of view. If we weren't journalists. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if I could do that, I would, but yeah, what I do instead is, like, I know the, the designers that I like. I, I know the labels that I like. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy secondhand Gucci from The Real Real and then, and then maybe kind of, like, add, like, retail pieces, like, accessories. Like, oh, I'll buy, I'll buy the $800 loafers retail and then mix and match it with, like, all of my secondhand stuff. Or I have a lot of Armani in my closet, uh, like, old school 80s, 90s Armani. I have a lot of Yoji Yamamoto. Really good prices on the real real. <laughs> Underrated. I know. Like you can get so like Armani is dirt cheap on the real real right now. Yeah. So get on there, buy some stuff if you can. And then I, I love a lot of Japanese designers like Yoji Yamamoto and, and um, Issei Miyake. But like, I can't, I can't put my brain into like just one thing because each one of those. Yeah brands that I'm talking about is a different vibe. It's a different look. It's a different cut and it hangs off of your body differently. And I just, I don't know. I never feel like uniform in my head. I feel like, Oh, I don't know. What do I want to, who do I want to be today? Do I want to be, um, open? <laughs> like, it's like, it's, it really depends on how many buttons I unbutton on my shirt <laughs> to, to, to let you know how like, good I feel or like how repressed I feel so like today it's all the way up and then some days it's like Alana knows I'll just show all of my chest hair I love it I love that that Dave is my favorite I you know those were like my two core brands the Burberry and the Jacquemus but I kind of like I 
Richard Quinn came around the last couple of years, like he got added in. I'm looking at my, I have like a Zoom background right here, but my, like I have a rolling rack. And for the first time in my life, I organized my rolling rack, not by color, but by brand. Oh, interesting. It's like fun because it feels like you're shopping in a, a store, you know, like ceremony, like, all right, this is going to be that little rack, that little rack. So I have like my Quinn Zone, maybe my Chipova, Maisie Willen, Comtees, Batsheva, Lisa Marie Fernandez, my vintage from Recess. By the way, you know what this reminds me of? Barbara Streisand, who's an insane queen and possibly a sociopath. One thing she did is she made the basement of her mansion. She took all of her clothes and made it a department store. I love that. That she can go down and shop like that. That's what it reminds me of, that she goes down into her basement. She's like, I'm shopping today, but it's all clothes she owns. That's incredible. Let alone the gift wrapping room she famously has. That's a whole like gift wrapping store for presents. Gift wrapping room. I love that. Yeah, it also reminds me of like kind of what celeb when a celeb is dressed for the red carpet, it's all one design, you know? Yeah, you know, it's it just makes you look like you're in like an era. Yeah. Think about how like Kim K is really using Balenciaga in that way. Like she's creating that era for herself. Mm, that's a good and she pops in other things that speak to it just like you're talking about dave like you know those brands have maybe some core tenants and then different interpretations so it looks like it's all going to look like dave when you wear it but there's you know when you have like a base you know a baseline like my baseline is kind of like funky formal you know prints and colors and stuff like that i just love how you like you've really perfected the freaking it, right? So like one of my favorite things you have is a pink barber coat. And I'm like obsessed with barber coats because growing up at a private school at San Francisco, like all of the super rich girls had, I always wanted one. These girls were fucking 14 with a barber coat. Yeah, that was, Bur- that's a Burberry jacket actually. Oh, it's Burberry. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. No, 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 but it looks like a barber. But it's pink, right? So it like, it's almost absurd in a way. I just got that this season. My friend liked it so much. She had me hunting for it. And I found it um, for her this morning, 50% off. No, where? No, only one? No. Stop. Smalls and mediums out there. No, you're sending me the link. I've never wanted anything more. Essence said that it was reversible. And I was like, this thing ain't reversible. And I took it off. And this morning I reversed it. And I was like, it is reversible. So <laughs> now I'm a little less angry about having paid full price, but no, you know what? That's the kind of thing that would go on sale because like most people that go to Burberry, like aren't like daring enough. Or cool. You know what I'm saying? Like that's. Yeah. When you walk into any high-end luxury store, you see the stuff that moves. You don't get the weird stuff, the stuff that like one customer wants. And I think that's why you have to develop that relationship if you have the means with a with a label, with a brand, with a with a point of view, because then like they'll tell you like, oh, we have this pink, pink coat or something like you'll be in the you'll be in the know. You'll be on the flow team, so to speak, to borrow like a skateboarder term like you'll be able to get that stuff or know about that stuff or, you know, one day. Like if you really like spend a lot of money, you can start getting couture pieces made for yourself. Yeah, it's, you know, but it's like fun to like, like anything, like being into a band, like getting into anything, like being into a painter, for instance, like I love, I collect paintings 
And sometimes you see like a painting and you're like, oh, it's like that one, but they did this little thing different. And that's going to make me want to buy that painting over the other 40 paintings that that person made. I like to collect like that, you know, so. Oh, well, that's a perfect transition to us talking about the home because a lot of people who are super interested in fashion, it doesn't necessarily translate, which I've never quite understood to me because a home expresses all basically the same things fashion does just like to a smaller audience or to you privately. I don't know. What are your thoughts on, I don't know how the home is a reflection of us similarly to how what we wear is or differently? You know, I think it started for me collecting art and I lived above an antique store for like a year and a half. I had a roommate that was like a picker we lived, I went to Pratt and there was this really cool store called Repop in Brooklyn and uh, I lived above the store. So, and my roommate worked there. So every day I'd like walk down the two flights of stairs and I'd go and see what they collected. That was an education for me in like furniture and design and how spaces make you feel. Um, And so then he'd start to bring stuff up into the apartment and we'd switch out the furniture pretty regularly. And, you know, then I added art to it and my friends had painted the painting. So it was emotional to live with like the work of people that I loved. And when you start to get like the good vibes off the things that are in your space, you start to really want to control that. And so for me, that's, it's super cool when I see houses where people really get that. And it's just as interesting for me when people like everything is from home goods. Cause I'm like, how is this so important to me? And you don't even internalize. So I think that's kind of like the most amazing part of being human is the like ability to have choice. So that's something I love about my job as like a writer. It's like every house is such a story and you start to characterize like who lives there. And that's always gets my wheels spinning. (laughs) That's why I'm obsessed with estate sales because it's just like rifling through like years and years of like history relationship. I mean, there's so many things you can tell just by, just by going through a dead person's stuff. Yeah. Um, in a way that you wouldn't get to unless you were like family. So, and really like with color, like the Zoom background I have right now, this is a design by um, Carlton Varney, Dorothy Draper Company. So, Dorothy Draper, this is like kind of where the fashion and the art and the houses and the color turn into like a, a, a really like cohesive vision for me. Like Dorothy Draper, she was the first ever interior designer, like founded the first interior decorating company in America in the 1920s. And she was like the Martha Stewart of her time and total badass. And this was like, her style was like the florals and the chintz and the stripes. And, you know, she just created this whole language and she has these like amazing books that she wrote herself. Decorating is fun and entertaining is fun. And she was like from the most rich background, but she kind of was super not elitist. It was all about like whether objects kind of fit the space. And so I've started to travel to like his hotels and that's been super important for me. Cause like, I think we don't really see colorful spaces that often outside of restaurants. 
So there's like another sense that's being like activated at that moment. And for me, like when you actually start to like live in a space like that, wake up in a place, a room like this, like that's my next era is like Mm -hmm. affording to do my whole house crazy wallpaper and color and like I love that I was gonna ask you is your is your home super colorful you know there's a decent amount of color in here a lot of paintings in the house just made my dining room like a tiki bar (laughs) so I like went to this tiki auction and got some chandeliers and stuff like that but no, like that some things I had were colorful, but now I'm like on a reupholstering binge. This is all like a language I've just learned in the last year. Mm-hmm. It's super cool. Something I think you're uniquely able to talk about is trends in interior design because you're seeing houses all the time. What are trends that people are doing in Southern California right now that you love? And what are trends that people are doing in their homes in Southern California that you just can't stand at all? That just makes you want to puke. You know, I love like Hollywood Regency. So we're so blessed to live where that was created. Um, I'm a huge John Wolf fan. So I think that there's like a, a, a great passion in people. I think people are really coming back to the traditional and it's been like that term grand millennial, the grandma millennial look, like the Dorothy Draper thing. Like this is that look. This is that look. Can you describe what Hollywood Regency is for people who don't know uh, those sorts yeah. of terms? Yeah, so Hollywood Regency, like the kind of most famous architect associated with it was John Wolfe. He was an architect. Most of his homes are here. And he was kind of, he had this like stylized vision where, you know, it always had these really grand entries, these really tall, skinny doors and mansard roofs is a big part of it a lot of symmetry. So, you know, windows, everything like that, almost really small windows. So you can't see what's in there. It feels very private. And then you open it up. There's always a killer foyer with the John Wolf. So you kind of like you're stepping in and then all of a sudden you get into these epic rooms um, and very cinematic. Yeah. I see like the traditional houses really starting to pop off with, with young people, which is exciting. Yeah, I love that that this is becoming in fashion again, because I was actually going to ask you, I mean, obviously, the Hills is notorious for like the mid-century look, but then we see all of these developers. This is a big narrative also on Million Dollar Listing. And I know I'm going to talk about people you actually know as characters, but like something I like about Josh Flagg is just like how he also hates the horrible, like fake mid-century white box homes that all of these developers make. They have like no character no actual unique sense of style and these people are ripping down like gorgeous homes that have so much character and often have a lot of history in them to just put up these like horrible white boxes are we always going to have those (laughs) i think it depends on the neighborhood you live in i like i live in los feliz over here it doesn't fly like people come to this neighborhood because there's like a, a cohesive hitness of neighborhood and I honestly think when things are too new here, there's like a backlash or if it's styled like too modern, it, it just doesn't like, that's not why somebody's coming to Los Feliz. Beverly Hills, 
means something different to every person in the world. Beverly Hills is going to be like whatever that person's pinnacle idea of rich is. And so that's where it gets messy because that person's going to think that person's doing that because they think what they're doing is better than what's there. Like I've gone into Wallace Neff Spanish's in Beverly Hills and the inside is like the nastiest white marble you've ever seen and like glossy blue kitchen and the outside is the most gorgeous Spanish ever you know so it's too many people have touched that house too many times over the years and trying to update it with that era's version of rich and cool that a lot of those houses lack cohesion whereas actually like that's kind of why I love Los Feliz is like people kind of were more under the radar here and the historic houses here tend to be like more complete and less messed with. Yeah. I think there's, there's probably some ordinances that prevent you from doing certain things. I have a friend who owns a house on the boulevard, Los Feliz Boulevard, and it's a big old Spanish mansion. And he's like, it's, it's impossible to fix anything because you're ripping out something that's been here for like 150 years or something. And like, you just can't do that it, or it's just going to wreck something else. But I love that about Los Feliz that it does feel like you're transported back in time and the worst thing in the whole world. And I, I apologize if this is, <laughs> this is controversial, but the worst thing in the world is that building across the street from the Vista uh, on Hillhurst. Oh, oh, that's not controversial. Uh-uh. No, no, very well. That condo building sucks. Yep. It sucks. I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying that it sucks. Who are you offending, the del- developer? I mean, <gasps> that's true. That's true. I don't know. Nicole knows people in real estate. I'm trying to be gentle. No, 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 no. Bad taste is bad taste, and we would be remiss to not call bad taste what it is. Okay, thank you. Yes, it's garbage, and it doesn't belong there. <laughs> I went to this house. I put it on my Instagram stories. Maybe one day I should like main page it. It was truly one of the most shocking moments of life. I went to this house and it was like a 40 something million dollar house in Bel Air. And I was like, okay, let me go check this out. And I go and I'm like walking up the hill to get to the house and the, they have a driveway and they had like a little zone for a tree and there were plastic flowers in the dirt. Oh my God. I was like, what is going on here? Like y'all didn't put mulch, didn't put rocks, didn't put real flowers, plastic flowers and you're charging 40 something million for this house. I was like the realtors. I was like, nobody told them that plastic flowers. So I put that on the gram. I trashed it for what it was. No, if something's bad, we call it bad. And that it just is what it is, you know? It's a lost art. It's a lost art in our society, being able to discern good and bad, <laughs> like in general, like aesthetics or morals, whatever it is. It's like, no, some things are good and some things are bad. And let's just be honest about it. Yeah, no, that's facts. That's facts bad. That's facts lazy on everybody's part. Especially in like, where the, the weather here, like there's literally no reason to have a fake flower. Like it's almost just bizarre. It was, it was on it'll melt in the summer <laughs> that's so true i was like oh, you wonder why your house didn't sell there's there's so many um drought resistant landscaping <laughs> options for you out there people that don't involve plastic <laughs> in the ground what are you doing cut it out i think that's like what makes it fun was like i you know you gotta call a spade a spade 
in our jobs as like the agents, there's stuff that's kind of like what, why I was attracted to it because I was coming from being a poet. I had, I was a visual artist, you know, competing to be in art shows. So when you would get rejected or didn't get the show or someone didn't buy your art, it was like super personal. And I just wasn't ready to deal with that for another like two decades. And so like real estate for me was really cool because if somebody doesn't like the house, I wasn't the architect. I didn't design it. I didn't make the choices. Simply, I'm there to give you information about value, try to help you get the house if you like it you know, give my two cents when needed and, and be honest. I have to be super honest with people. You know, if I think there's a mistake or I think something's overpriced, like if any, I always tell my, my friends, like when they start showing me, I was like, you're going to get a like really negative side of me, not trying to put this down or put you down or put anything down. But if I don't tell you the problems that I see, then you're going to buy this. And then one day somebody else is going to point it out to you. And you're going to feel like, I lied to you because I didn't tell you it. So maybe I'm telling you more than you need to know, but I'd rather do that than have anything on my conscience. Yeah, especially the plastic flowers. <laughs> Imagine someone being like, I thought you really liked this. <laughs> I thought this was she. Oh my God, it was so bad. Oh, gotta love it. Okay, well, I think we're gonna wrap up. I mean, we could, ugh, it was, it's really hard to keep this to the time it is because I could keep going and going and going and I have so many questions for you but thank you so much for coming on to talk about I don't know your your sense of style and it's truly a pleasure thank you and thank you Alana thank you Dave and you know I just say stay curious go look up things look up your references and have fun and don't don't fall for the trap of something looking good on the internet. Make your own decisions to think what you think is cool or cute or whatever moves you. Because that can cost you money. <laughs> cool. Where can people find you? Um, I'm on Instagram. My first name, Nicole, N-I-C-O-L-E. Reber, R-E-B-E-R. It's a palindrome. Same way backwards and forwards. So find me anywhere on there. Uh, coreybirthstates.com is where I am for real estate purposes. And yeah, I'm just always an open book. Love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. What a conversation. I say this every week. I always say, oh, what a great conversation. I'm not lying. I never lie about this. If we had a bad episode, you wouldn't hear it. We just wouldn't, we wouldn't put I'd it out. I'd be like, oh, Dave. Don't embarrass me. Yeah, that, I could have kept going for another hour. I know. I always feel bad when I'm like, Alana, we got to wrap up. <laughs> and it's not a social call. It's like a podcast. I know. I know. But it, I want it to be. Do you think she'll be friends with me? Yes, absolutely. And we'll have her back to talk about other stuff because I feel like she really is the spirit of the podcast. She is. Yeah, we scratched the surface. We're only scratching the surface here. There's much more to talk about with Nicole. So. Uh, again, if you're a fan, leave a review, write something nice to us, uh, tweet at us at Dave underscore Schilling or at Alana Hope Levinson, and just keep keep dressing for yourself. Keep being fashionable. Keep being stylish. Keep being you, because we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.